This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Build the product or brand or art that you want, you yourself want to exist, like you would use it yourself. So it should solve like a personal problem for you, or you have the thought, like, wouldn't it be cool if this existed? And also build a minimal viable product, like an MVP, test it like, like I did with the website. Like it only cost me like six hours of my time to build a website to see if people will actually want to sign up for this. So like, think of the easiest way that you can test something, test the waters before actually diving into it full time. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. As always, I am so happy to be on the mic with you. I was actually talking to someone the other day and I was telling them that being on the mic is literally therapy. I feel like whenever you have a microphone in your hand or in front of you, you feel so vulnerable and open and like you can talk about anything for some reason. And it doesn't register to me that thousands of people listen every single week. It just feels like it's just me talking to my group of friends. And so being on the mic just makes you really vulnerable. If you have a podcast, you understand understand but it's one of those things that like you know if if you're you're feeling down you're you're feeling kind of bored you want to do something and you you feel like you don't you don't know what your passion is start a podcast <laughs> I feel like it's honestly it answers so many questions opens so many doors I mean I'm, I'm slightly kidding and I'm slightly not I don't think you should start a podcast if you're not like ready to, you know, be consistent and do it every single week. But I think that if you want to start a podcast, start a podcast because it is just literally therapy. That's always what I say. (laughs) So anyways, today I am coming to you from Miami. I'm back in Florida and I was just in North Carolina last week. Keon and I went to visit my family. My parents were actually on vacation, so we stayed with the dog. Um, we stayed with Bambino and Luigi, and man, I miss Bambino. Like, he is just something else. I feel like he's unlike any other dog that I've ever played with, any other dog that I've ever had. He has his own personality. Like, he's just so fun and playful and loving, and I swear he's the most spoiled dog. He is so freaking loved. Like, he's so spoiled. But anyways, that's what I was doing last week. And what shocked me was that I was planning out, you know, my next trip. And I'm actually here in Miami for quite some time. I'm staying put, which I'm very happy about because I was just too on the go. It like, I felt like I wasn't settled anywhere. 
But as I was doing that, I was looking at the calendar and it is almost October. When you are listening to this podcast, it will be October already. And that just doesn't sit right with me, even though I do love October. It feels kind of weird because I was in North Carolina and I was getting all the fall vibes. You know, I was getting the, the, the chilly weather. I had, it was sweater weather for sure. Brought out the leather jacket to go out. Like it was, it was fall. The air was crispy. And now I'm back in Florida and it's like, woo, summer again. Okay. (laughs) So it doesn't feel like fall at all. And I mean, even though I'm from South Florida, I moved when I was nine years old. So I was really little when I moved. And so I don't remember not having seasons. You know, I went from Charlotte to Raleigh to New York. Like I've, I've just grown up and had seasons forever. So it's definitely going to be an interesting year being here without any seasons. But I'm really excited because I do love the warm weather. I love the fall, but it's weird, like not having any leaves change, you know, like I'm staring outside my window right now and I just see like a ton of palm trees and, and the water and it's so beautiful, but like, it's just, that's what it's going to be all year round. Like those palm trees are not going to turn orange. They're not going to have that like crispy Halloween vibe that everywhere else in the country I feel like has. So it's definitely going to be interesting being here. If you live in Florida, I'd love to know, like, do you like that? Like, do you like how it's like warm year round? Personally, I like it, but I just like want to see the leaves change. I guess that's like the only thing I miss. Is there, is there, what are some fall things to do in Florida? Are there like pumpkin patches here? I don't even know. I have no idea. I don't remember. When I was a little kid, we didn't have traditions like that. Like, I'm not going to lie. This might shock some of you, but I have never carved a pumpkin before. So I've never, even to this day, even, and I, I know that it's like weird, but like, I have never once carved a pumpkin. And it's because I think you like solidify those traditions as kids. So it's like when you grow up as a family, you do like a family pumpkin carving day and like pumpkin carving competition. But I never had that. So I don't know, maybe there's no pumpkin patches here in Florida because I've never once carved a pumpkin and neither has my cousin who also was born and raised here. So I don't know if that's a Florida thing or if it's just my family thing. I'm sure people here have carved pumpkins before, but I've never done that. I didn't have those traditions growing up. So I, I still to this day at 25, I've never done it. Maybe it's time. Is it time to do that, to add it? Every year I'm like, I'm going to carve a pumpkin this year. And I just never do. I don't see that big of an appeal for it. I do love the pumpkin spice food though I'm not like the biggest pumpkin fan but I'm going to put you on the best Starbucks drink okay so are you ready to hear this the best Starbucks drink is going to be iced I get a grande but get whatever size you want grande is good for like the measurements so I'm just gonna say an iced grande shaken espresso with light ice because if not they drown you with ice and it gets all watery so light ice one pump of pumpkin sauce so I guess they don't have pumpkin syrup I think it's like more natural I don't really know if that's true or not but one pump of pumpkin sauce zero pumps of classic sweetener so usually with a iced chicken espresso they already put like three or four pumps of sweetener in it so get zero pumps of classic sweetener and oat milk and it is the best fall drink especially for people that think that like pumpkin spice stuff is like too sweet or like the shaken espressos are too sweet at starbucks this is the best way to do it so the one pump of pumpkin sauce mm, it is so good it's so good and it just is like that right amount of fall you know like I don't like an overwhelming amount of pumpkin like I just want like a little taste like a little like okay I I tasted it and that's about it you know like that that's what I want so get that and I think next time I haven't done this yet but I think this would be really good if I ask for like a little bit of cinnamon on top oh I think that would be perfect so yeah that's (laughs) 
Am I getting you in the fall mood? I'm like talking about palm trees, the leaves not changing, never carving a pumpkin in my life. But I hope I'm getting you in the fall mood because I am super excited for fall. I mean, even being here and it being warm, like I'm excited for Halloween. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I really want to do a cool costume. I've been looking at on TikTok and like seeing people's costumes. And because Keon's here, I do want to do like a couple costume. We did one two years ago in New York. I actually lived right next to the Friends building. So if you guys have ever been to New York City and you've been to the Friends building in the West Village, it's on Bedford. If you've ever been there, I lived right there. So I literally lived like a block away on Bedford and Christopher. Those were my cross streets. And then the Friends building is like one block away from Christopher on Bedford. So that is where my apartment was. It was the best location in the entire world. And so I was like, okay, let's do like a Ross and Rachel Friends theme. And he literally just wore a red sweater, jeans, or not even jeans. I think they were like navy blue Lululemon pants. (laughs) He wore navy blue Lululemon pants, which you know Ross didn't wear, but whatever. I think like normal sneakers, um, a red sweater. We got a name tag at CVS that said, hi, my name is Ross. I wore like a denim button up um, and like a, or denim vest. I wore a denim vest, a little skirt. I got the Central Perk apron. And then we just took a picture in front of that building. And we said that we were Ross and Rachel from Friends. It was the most low budget, low key costume. But you know what? I wanted to dress up. And then I remember we went out and it was the day after Halloween because Halloween was like on a Thursday or something. And so we were like, oh, surely everyone on Friday is still going to be dressing up and going out. Yeah, we were the only ones dressed up. I guess I missed the memo to dress up on actual Halloween. I thought this was still college and, you know, people were dressing up the weekend after. Uh, No, we were the only ones dressed up, but it didn't matter because I literally could like take the apron off and wear a normal outfit. And his outfit was like a hundred percent normal, but that was our last Halloween costume. And I don't think we did anything last year because it was COVID. I can't even remember what I was doing on October 31st of 2020. I definitely did not dress up unless I dressed up just like in my house to take a photo. I literally don't remember. I'll have to look on Instagram, but I don't think I did anything because of COVID. But anyways, this year I do want to do a couple's costume and I want to do maybe like I saw on TikTok one of like Danny Phantom and the girl from Danny Phantom. I forgot her name, Um, but I thought that that was a cool costume. If I can get some like purple contacts, I think that would be cool. I want to do something like fun and creative and like very cute. So I don't know. We'll see it. We'll see what I'm doing, but I would love your suggestion. So if you want to DM me any like cute couples costumes that are slightly unique and like medium effort, you know, not super low effort, but also not like super high effort. <laughs> Am I being picky? Um, yeah. Send those over to me because I think that that would be awesome. And I'd love to just see your Halloween costume. So please DM me and like on the Instagram or something, we can post like the cutest Halloween costumes that we get sent. So we'll definitely do that. But I'm in the fall mood, guys. The air is getting crispy everywhere except for South Florida, of course. But you know what? I experienced my one week in North Carolina. I'm going back at the end of October to North Carolina. So I'll get even crispier weather. And I'm very excited for it. And I wanted to do a high and low of the week. I love doing these on the podcast. I think that they're so fun and it just gives me a good time to reflect. So I would say my high of the week is being a semifinalist for a North Carolina grant for Rella. So Rella is the company that I'm starting with my co-founders. It's going to be an all-in-one social media management app. It's going to be the only tool an influencer will need to run their business. And if you're an influencer and you haven't signed up to be one of the first users on Rella, Uh, let me know what you're doing. Go to relasocial.com and sign up. It's going to be totally free. So definitely do that. And we also have a webinar coming out, like all of this stuff. 
you just want to follow us so I don't sound like a broken record so you can be notified without me telling you but Rella has been nominated for a $50,000 equity free grant in North Carolina if we get that that would be so amazing there are 26 amazing companies that have all been chosen as the semi-finalists I don't know how many they're choosing they didn't disclose that so TBD but yeah, we have to fill out the application, like the semi-finalist application by Monday. So by the time you're listening to this, and I'm not quite sure when we will find out, but I think there's like one more round and then you become a finalist. So crossing our fingers that we get it. But even if we don't, I'm just like honored that we were chosen as a semi-finalist. I think that that honestly continues to like validate Rella and we're just getting really excited and wanting to spread the word as much as possible. So I mean, I'm just super, super excited that we were chosen. That was like such great news because if you are following me on Instagram and you saw a reel of mine, I posted like a day in my life of demo day and the entire grant application got deleted and I had to redo it just a few hours before it was due. So the fact that that redo got us into the semifinalists, I'm very, very happy about that. So that is very exciting. And then I would say my low of the week, trying to think of a low of the week. I always love not having like a true low of the week. I used this low of the week last week and it was leaving Bambino, but you know what? That's always going to be my low if there is a week that goes by where I leave him. So that's my low of the week, leaving my baby boy, my Bambino. So anyways, today's episode, I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be such a fun episode and you are going to love it. And I am not going to lie. I have never used dating apps before. I made a Hinge profile once when I was single in between relationships. That sounds so bad. But yeah, when I had broken up with my boyfriend and before I was dating Keon, I had been on Hinge and I remember using it like a few times, like scrolling and like seeing who liked me and like whatever, getting that, I guess, adrenaline rush when someone likes you on a dating app. But I never actually used it. Like I I never met anyone on a dating app. I've never been on a dating app date. I've never like had anything serious with anyone on a dating app. So I would never consider myself a dating app expert. I pretty much live vicariously through like the stories my friends tell me with dating apps. But Keon and I actually met at a networking event. So uh, let me let me go down memory lane and tell you the story of how Keon and I met. So we both started working at Accenture on September 5th, and everyone who starts on the same day at Accenture goes to St. Charles, Illinois, which is right outside of Chicago, to their like training center. And some people go for two weeks, some people go for three days, depending on their department. I was there for two weeks. Keon came for three days because he was in consulting, I was in technology. And there was a networking event there. And I kind of already made a group of friends because I was already there for a few days. And it was Keon's first day there. And he had only known one person because he had met him at his like orientation. So that one person was in my friend group. And so that one person was like, oh, Keon, like, let me introduce you to everyone. So he introduced me and Keon together. And he also introduced Keon to like a bunch of other people. But I remember being like, oh, he's kind of cute. Like, hmm, okay. (laughs) He caught my attention and then I guess I also caught his attention and we just started talking and we were talking all night at this networking event and then we literally were talking for hours and then the next day we like met up again and we were talking and then he left the following day so we literally only spent two like nights talking together and then he left and then we stayed in touch and when he was in Oklahoma City and I was in Charlotte we kept talking we kept FaceTiming and then finally I visited him and then he visited me and then we just started dating and that's why we've been long distance ever since so 
not a big expert on dating apps. And it's actually funny because when I met Keon, I had dating apps. Like I was on Hinge, but again, like wasn't really using it. And I remember... <laughs> This is going to sound creepy, but it's not. I promise. I had set my location to Oklahoma City because I wanted to see Keon's dating app. I knew he was also on Hinge. So I was like, I just want to see what his dating app looks like. Like, I want to see what it what it is. And I remember looking on it. And to my surprise, <laughs> I found his dating app. No, there wasn't that many guys on the filters that I picked for Oklahoma City. I, like, made it super specific so that he would come up quickly. And there was one photo of, of him with a, a group of friends. And I just remember looking at this photo. And I was like, do I not know what this guy looks like? Or is he not in this photo? Like, it was like a group of like eight guys. I was like, is he just not in this? Or or like, am I like going crazy? And I just like forgot what he looked like. Did he look different in college? And so I screenshotted it and I sent it to him. And I'm like, um, are you in this photo? Like, I don't want to be rude, but like, are you in this? And he had accidentally cropped himself out. Uh, and he made it on, he like literally put it on his hinge profile, but he had accidentally cropped himself out. I was like, yeah, how many swipes did you get? How many likes did you get? <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. So yeah, both of us, Keon and I are not dating app experts. That is just not, not what we are, but a lot of my friends have had successful relationships with people that they've met, so they must work. One of my best friends, she's actually married to a guy that she met on Hinge. So dating apps definitely work. I, I totally know that, but it just I'm not I'm not an expert in it. But I was super excited when I had booked Austin Kevich to be a guest on the Real Real. He is the founder of Locks Club, which is a tongue-in-cheek dating app that doesn't take itself too seriously. And if you guys follow other influencers, you know that Locks Club had a huge event for New York Fashion Week and probably every person that you follow was there. Austin kept getting asked by his grandma when he was going to bring home a nice Jewish girl. So he had created a Squarespace site for Jewish people with ridiculously high standards. And then with over 1,000 applications overnight, he realized that he was onto something and began developing an app that was more of an immersive experience and less superficial. Both Austin and I have one thing in common where we don't really like the typical dating apps. So it was interesting to hear how Locks Club sets itself apart by using actual human matchmakers and focusing more on cultural values. Today's episode is filled with tips and advice to navigate the dating app scene, whether you're looking for love or you're just curious about what it takes to create a dating app on your own. I loved this conversation. It was so interesting to me, so entertaining, and I have been hearing about Locks Club all over the place. So I just like loved talking to the founder of it. We dive into all sorts of things, including how a fictional story of how to speakeasy in a deli turned into an app, the importance of building a business you would want to use yourself, the impact of starting out with a minimal viable product in order to collect feedback, and how FaceTime can help you find that special someone. I know you're going to love this episode, whether you are pro dating app, anti dating app, single, in a relationship, married, whatever it is, you're going to love it. So let's welcome Austin to the show. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus 
tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Austin. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Natalie, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about Locks Club and just your background. And I was actually listening to a podcast that you had done right before this, so I could like help myself prepare, but I'm really excited. <laughs> uh, which one was it? It was the one with a grandma, excuse my grandma or something like that. I think that's what it's called. Okay. Yeah. That was a funny one. Yeah. I've never seen that dynamic of like a grandma doing a podcast with her granddaughter. So it was, it was fun. I know she was so funny. She was even funny, funnier off the air too. Yeah. Well, we're going to get started with setting the record straight, which is just some stereotypes and assumptions, and then you'll let me know what you think about them. So the first one is that dating apps are oversaturated. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you think like they're oversaturated? I just think there, there's 
so many and, and they're all like they kind of have the same like awkwardness about them and before locks club like i i was very vocal with, with my friends that i i was anti-dating app and i would hate on dating apps so yeah they're definitely saturated yeah it's funny then that like you were kind of like a dating app hater but you decided to like fix the way that they were run which i think is cool oh yeah it's still very ironic to me yeah. <laughs> and the next one is that you have to have a business background before starting a business. Yeah, definitely false. By, by business background, you mean like studied it in school? Yeah, like business school, studied it in school, got a degree in it. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't even remember what I learned in college. So, Did you study business in school? I studied business management and psychology. But I remember towards the end, I was just like bringing my laptop into classes and sneakily taking app design like online courses during my more boring classes so yeah I feel like a lot of people think you have to get like your NBA or whatever to be an entrepreneur and and start your Mm -hmm. own business and that's just so false I think like you really Mm -hmm. don't I don't I mean I've never went to get my MBA but I feel like you learn way more by actually doing it rather than like studying it yeah definitely a misconception no one knows what they're doing so just I would just dive into it yeah. And then the next one is that you need investors to grow an app. No, I, I used to think that one was true because I grew up reading these articles about this founder raised a million zillion dollars to then launch this app. So I, I thought that was true. But um, with Locks Club, this is my third company. So this time around, I was like, OK, I don't want to rely on investors for this one. And I made sure there was a business model on day one. And I built the app with two co-founders and we, we didn't spend any money to build it. Like we, we really just like, like the, from the design to the engineering, it, it was all in-house. We spent $0. Wow. That's incredible. I feel like you don't hear about that now. Like you said, like I'm always reading like so-and-so app just raised like $15 million in their seed mm-hmm. round. I'm like, oh my God, that's so mm-hmm. much money that they're raising. Like you think that that's what you need to like start a successful company, especially in tech though. Oh yeah. And and honestly, a lot of those companies don't work out. The ones that raise a lot of money before proving themselves or proving that um, people actually want their product. I kind of liked how scrappy we were this time around because it forced us to make decisions about like, what would we ourselves want in a product? Like what would we actually pay for? And then testing it and and proving that people will actually pay for it rather than the other way around where like some of the previous apps I've built, they were completely free. And it was like, sometimes I think people raise money and then hope that they'll they'll find something that sticks. And that's really a really stressful game to play. Yeah. And I think it's also stressful because like you really have to prove to your investors that like they're going to get a return. And I don't know, I just feel like it's really stressful when you have all that money that you raise before you have that proven concept or like even any customers. And yeah. And with my last company, now I'm getting gray hairs because <laughs> the, the app took off. Like it actually went viral. It uh, organically spread to millions of people, but the app was free and I never knew how I was going to monetize it. And um, it almost felt like an art, just to give you some context that my last company was Brighton. It was an app for sending anonymous compliments. So a lot of teenagers use it. It was like an anti-bullying thing. And it was almost like an art project because 
I wanted to keep it free and it was really helping people. So we raised a couple million dollars and I could see the clock ticking of the day, like we're going to run out of money and I have no idea how this is going to make money. So I, I was definitely over, overplaying that game. It's pretty stressful. Yeah. How, do you make money off of free apps? Like on the app store, does Apple pay you for every download? No, Mm-mm. it's not like, it's not like YouTube. Yeah. Oh, wow. So how do you make money off of a free app? Either. Well, there's, there's a couple different ways. Like in-app purchases are, are a popular way to, to make money. Like I'm sure you've seen a million apps that they're free, but then you could like double click yeah. something or um, freemium where like it's free to start. And then if you want to like get the premium version, you, you subscribe. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I thought that Apple had like paid for per download, like a small amount of money, but I guess not. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, I wish. I wish. And I know you said this is your third company. So what were you doing then before Locks Club? Before Locks Club, I was working on that other company, Brighton. Mm-hmm. Is that what and, you're telling you about? Yeah. And then did you have a, was that your first company or second company? That was my second. So I was involved in another company called Scali that helped students find scholarships. And then I left that company to start Brighton. So Brighton was like the first one that was like my baby. Then uh, right before COVID hit, uh, we were in talks to sell Brighton. And I was thinking about what I want to work on next. And that's what led to Locks Club. And how did you come up with the idea then of Locks Club? Was it like a light bulb moment or were you like trying to come up with another company to start? <laughs> it was more of a random light bulb, like, what the f- joke type of moment because i i'm at that age where like my grandma would be would be like when are you gonna bring home a nice jewish girl and uh i've always been anti-dating apps i was also going through a breakup at that time i was like all right i'll try one or two of these dating apps i just thought they were so awkward and, and cringy and um completely as a joke i was like i, I remember i made a squarespace website on a whim and wrote an exclusive dating app for Jews with ridiculously high standards. And there was an apply button. And then when I woke up the next day, like over a thousand people applied. I was very surprised by that. And people were bugging me like, Hey, did you see my application? When's the app launching? Or like, when do I find out if I got in or not? And it was, it was because it was funny that, that people were sharing it on their Instagram stories, a screenshot of the website. And then I still didn't take it seriously. And then when COVID hit, all of a sudden, like everyone was lonely and stuck at home and horny. And I remember thinking, okay, like it actually makes sense to, to build out a dating app that um, is kind of like tongue in cheek and doesn't take itself seriously. So you made this website and then you had like a thousand applications the next day, but like, how did anyone find it? Did you promote it at first or like, how did people see it in the beginning? All I did was post it on my Instagram story and then I sent it to my friends and a couple of them posted it on theirs because they thought that tagline was funny, like for Jews with ridiculously high standards. And that's it. And I think it was just the humor of it. And so you, when you made this website, did you think like, okay, maybe this could be a business or it was just all like a big joke? I remember thinking like, it would be cool if this existed, like, for selfish reasons like maybe I can meet someone through this um and then my friends thought it was cool for that reason too like they were excited to like see who they could meet through it 
I knew better than to assume like this could be a successful business just because it seems like a good idea in my head. And the website was a way to test that without spending any money. I guess there's a, le- a lesson in that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I feel like going through the process of making a website, even though obviously it's super easy to make one now is still mm-hmm. like you, maybe you thought it could be something in the future, like kind of testing it out or seeing if this could actually be like a legit business. Yeah. And, and taking a couple hours to make a website and send it to people and see if people actually sign up for it is such a low effort way to test if people actually want your idea before, yeah. before investing months of your life and, and money into it. So when did you actually start like developing this and making it into an actual app from like you posted this in what month and then like what month was it an actual started like working on it I think I posted it in November I started working on it like right when quarantine happened because I was living with um, a couple people including um, my childhood best friend Alec who is a front-end engineer so I remember like right when quarantine happened, like pitching him on, on building this app with me. And, and then I did all the product design for it. He did all the front end coding. And then we recruited our other friend who was a back end engineer. So the three of us built the product. And when did it release? Fall of last year. So around September, October. Okay. So like a year after you posted the, the original website? The website. And I think the app itself took us um, like, what is that? Like four to six months, six months to build. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I feel like that's fast for a dating app. It's super fast. Dating apps are so complex. If we had outsourced it, I just knew this would have taken three years to build. Um, and it would have been super buggy because there's so many like tiny moving parts that you wouldn't even think of. When I was done designing it, it was like, 150 screens yeah I feel like there's a lot that goes into it and like the algorithm that like matches people is probably really complex it's not just like a simple like app that you're throwing together really quickly oh yeah totally and I think the only reason that we were able to build it so quickly is because me and Alec had built like 30 apps together in the past and we've made every mistake in the book together so our process is pretty like pretty on point now is that like something you like to do like in your free time build (laughs) build apps 30 apps is a lot (laughs) well uh, he uh, he also um worked on brighton with me my previous company okay okay so we had built a couple apps under that brighton umbrella and then we also built like funny apps that were like secret amongst ourselves okay so no one knows what those are there were kind of apps that like were specifically for like one of us or one of our friends and they weren't, we didn't think they were worth releasing to the public. For example, I'm late to everything. And people in like, as you know, I was late, I was a couple minutes late to this podcast. And everyone in my life gives me shit for being late to everything. So Alec and I made an app called On Time where we hung a QR code on our front door. And whenever we were going somewhere, my friends would be like, Austin, you think you could be ready in 10 minutes? And if I accept the challenge, a timer starts. And I have to be like showered and dressed and ready to leave and scan that QR code before the timer runs out. And if I do it, I win. And then I get to, I get the bragging rights. And if I lose, then, then um, they all see it. That's so funny. You might be able to take that to the masses also. <laughs> I'm sure there's a, there's some use for it with every, 
everyone else too. <laughs> yes, if there's other um, chronic late people out there, yeah. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So you started Locks Club, put it out to the public, did you always like, what made you want to make this dating app, even though you like hated dating apps and like, what was kind of your inspiration? Like, how did you want to make locks club different? I guess. I knew that I wanted to make a dating app that didn't take itself seriously and like, wasn't cringy and was more of, um, an experience kind of like, a I love escape rooms or like themed, like speakeasies or magic shows and, or like wine tea, like anything that's based on an immersive experience, I think is such a great way to meet people as a, as a byproduct. I would compare the current dating apps are more feel like networking events or like speed dating events where it's like, it's awkward because it's like, so like for dating. And I was actually at my grandparents funeral during COVID and I was going through their old stuff and I found their wedding invitation and inspired me to write this story about this fictional deli called Spielman's Deli. Um, my grandmom's maiden name was Spielman's. And so I wrote this backstory about a deli that had this speakeasy inside it called the Locks Club. And it was like this secret club for celebrities and mobsters and politicians and businessmen would hang out. And the, the entrance was hidden within this deli in the 1920s. And then it was shut down by the police in the 1950s, never to be seen again until now. And wow. That's, that's where it came from. I love it. I like that backstory. Yeah. And then, so I designed the app that, so that it feels like you're, you're walking into Skillman's Deli and then it asks you for the secret password to get into Locks Club. Yeah. Cause you have an application process to even join your dating app, which is a little different than most of the ones out there. I feel like there's only, mm-hmm. I know people compare you to Raya a lot. So like there's Raya, mm-hmm. I think the league, you might need an application to join, mm-hmm. but what was your thought process in like making it an application and not just like having anyone sign up? Yeah. So I love the, the curation that like of Soho house and Raya and um, other, some other companies do it too. I think it, it ensures that everyone's there for the right reasons. I know we're one of the first to actually be like very thorough about vetting people. Like we're, we're real humans um, on our membership community are going through every application and like stalking you and just making sure you're normal. Um, I think the real inspiration behind that one was probably my mom. 
my mom is on some of the dating apps and, and she would she would tell me some horror stories about like meeting freaks on, on these <laughs> dating apps. And I was like, damn, like there needs to be a way to vet people. Yeah. What's your vetting process like then? So we have a membership committee and then we have applications where we ask, we actually ask questions about, you know, why do you want to join Lance Club? What's your backstory? I think where we differ is like, we don't care about like you having a lot of followers or like a sexy job title. Um, what we're really looking for is like, are, are, is this person like down to earth? Are they normal? Is this someone that we would want to be friends with? Do you make them upload like photos of themselves or like their Instagram or like, how do you, how can you tell that they're, I guess, someone that's there for the right reasons? Good question. Um, photo, <laughs> um, Instagram, LinkedIn, and then we ask them a couple of questions to, to get a feel for their personality. Okay. And do you reject a lot of people or like, is that, are you pretty generous with accepting people? I'd say both. We have a pretty long wait list. So a lot of people, um, we get a lot of messages like from people like what the f what's taking so long. And it's, it's not because they rejected it's because we're actually vetting each application and we're still a pretty small team. So yeah, I'd say like, there's a wait list because of that, because of like the time it takes to actually like, review each application. and also. Um, we want to make sure that if someone is referred by someone in our community and they seem like a normal, nice person and they align with our values of like they're, they're not douchey and down to earth and funny, most likely they're getting in. That's yeah. I feel like honestly, you're saving a lot of people then from having those like awkward dates or those like dates with people that just are not, I don't know, like the, the freaks that your mom has gone on the date with, like you're saving mm -hmm. people from like that experience then too. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes down to like the shared values of the community. And it's less about religion and, and more about, I'm not a religious person. It's less about the religion, more about um, the cultural values. And I think when you build a community where, where people are, have similar values and like the dates are less awkward. Um, my friends and cousins who are on the app say like people are way more responsive and chatty compared to other, other dating apps where it's kind of like a ghost town. So yeah, I think it's nice to just know like this other person that you're talking to, like has some similar, similar cultural values as you. Can you message like as many people as you want? Do you have like limitations on that? Or like if, once you're in, it's kind of like you can message whoever, you can match with whoever, like what's the process like once you actually get accepted? Once you get accepted, create your profile and all that, you can swipe on a limited number of people each day. So we give you a batch each day and that's so that you can be intentional about um who you're actually liking to match with um the profiles have a lot of depth like it says shows their story it shows um prompts that ask funny questions so you can get a feel for their personality and their sense of humor and then we also have human matchmakers so you could actually like, text our matchmaker it's a real person you could let them know your type what you're looking for or you could ask them for profile advice like people ask us all the time like which photo do i look hottest in which order should i set them in or like, how do I make my prompts funnier? And how big is your team that you guys can like manually approve everyone and like source through it and then also do like be an actual matchmaker too? Do you have people specifically for that? Yeah, our team's pretty small. We're less than, we're less than 20 people still. Yeah, everything's, everything's pretty manual. That's crazy though. I feel like that takes up, that can take up so much time. Do a lot of people use that like human matchmaker service? They do. Um, luckily it's like the type of work that's actually pretty fun. So yeah. 
uh, and our team, our team's pretty close. So we all enjoy like, you know, like joking, like joking with like, about our, our stories and stuff, the work that we're doing. Like it's even fun to work on the weekends and, and be talking to the members because we're all in the demographic that would use Locks Club. A lot of our friends are on it. So it's really cool that like the members are our friends and like we really care about about um, helping these people meet in, in, in a non-cringy way. Yeah. Are you on Locks Club? Do you use it for yourself? I am. I'm on it. I'm on it. Do you like go on dates ever on it or like have you kind of experienced it for yourself too? Ironically, I haven't been on many Locks Club dates because I'm so freaking busy building Locks Club for, for everyone else. But I am excited for the, we're hiring more people now. So I am excited that I'll have more like free time to go on some Locks Club dates. Do people know that you're the founder on it? Like, does it say like founder of Locks Club on your profile? I think I wrote co-founder of Locks Club. I feel like that would be like, I don't know, just like being on it. That'd be funny seeing like, oh, matching with the founder. (laughs) I know at events, like in-person Locks Club events, I'll, when I meet people, I'll tell them I'm an intern at Locks Club so I can kind of be undercover. Nice. Do you get like the inside scoop of what people are thinking about the app? Like you ask them questions like, so what do you think about it? I do. I love when people don't know that I'm affiliated with Locks Club at all because then I could be like, what do you think of Locks Club? It kind of sucks, right? Yeah. Like what's the worst thing? What's the worst thing about it? Do Are people I'm, honest with you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, there's some selective bias there because if they're coming to our event, that means they probably like Locks Club. So it's, it's been pretty positive, but I do love hearing like, like there are, there are some ideas I've gotten to improve the app from talking to people at events. Like for example, um, I was talking to one girl who showed me her inbox and she literally had like a million matches and there were so many matches that she was like losing track of like who she was talking to. And a lot of, it was overwhelming. Like a lot of the conversations didn't even start yet. So that's why we built chats that expire when there's no, there's no message to send. So when you first match with someone, there's a 10 day timer. And if no message is sent, then it expires. Okay. That's a good way to like declutter. So coming from someone who founded a dating app, and then also you guys have human matchmakers and stuff. What are some like dating app tips that you would give someone? Like, what are some things that you need to have on your profile or things that like make you stand out? Well, in terms of personality, I would say like, sounds preachy, but be yourself, like show your... (laughs) show your show your cards early on and and like um write down like your whatever like weird weird interests you have you're attracting people that also like that type of vibe and then you can see what their vibe is and and decide if you like theirs rather than like people who are too vague and try to be cool then you really don't know what you're getting yeah so i've never been on dating apps so i'm like so on like i've been on my friends dating apps where i'll like go and swipe for them or like match with people for them. And I like love doing that, but I feel like it's also so overwhelming too. Like there's so many people that you can see and so many people that are coming up. So like, I like that you guys have that application system and like, it's more vetted than just like a free for all. Cause I'll go on their phones and I'm like, Oh my God, like I literally would swipe left on literally every single person that shows up on here. Mm -hmm. So it's like good that you guys have that like application process. Then I feel like it really does make it easier for people to find people they're compatible with. Yeah, I can relate to that. Why aren't you on any of the dating apps? 
Well, I have a boyfriend, so can't really be on yeah. <laughs> dating apps, but that's a good reason. Yeah, no, but I'll, I'm so happy when I'm with my friends. I'll be like, oh, okay. Like, let me see your phone. Like, let me <laughs> help <laughs> you find someone. But yeah, no, I was, before I got in a relationship, I was on hinge for like a hot minute, but I never actually went on a date with anyone on there. Like I, I got like too nervous. I was like, I'll just like swipe and, or like, like people, but like, I would just get nervous whenever it came time to actually like making that first step and like meeting. I was like, never mind. (laughs) It's scary. It's a little scary and and weird going out with someone that you meet through like online, anything we, we connect their Instagrams so you could stalk them a little bit and you could see your mutual friends. So that definitely helps. One of the girls on my team met her boyfriend through locks club and she did something interesting. She did a FaceTime first and was like, I'm really busy. I don't have time for, uh, you know, go on a date with the wrong people. So I, I want, let's just do like a vibe check, like 15 minute FaceTime. And she did it and ended up liking the guy on the FaceTime and they had a really great first date and the rest is history. Have you been on any virtual dates? Any FaceTime dates? No, I haven't. I haven't. I feel like sometimes those like seem more awkward than like in-person dates. Like you like answer the phone. You're like, hello, like, hi. Hey, you can't, it can't be under the context of a date. Um, this girl on my team who did it was pretty savage about it. She's just like, I don't have time. So we're going to talk on FaceTime first, but I, I would be more subtle and um, FaceTime them. If you're going to do the FaceTime, like make it about something else. Don't be like, let's have a first date on FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people were doing that over COVID obviously, but mm-hmm. besides that, if, I don't know. I feel like I'd get so awkward being on a FaceTime call. I feel like it'd be better to, to be in person, but at least with FaceTime, you have a reason to like leave. You can just be like, okay, gotta go. Like you don't have to wait for like the check to come or anything like that. Oh, exactly. And say you have like 10 minutes in between calls or something. So there's like very low pressure and there's no like awkward, the time limit is key. Yeah. I know that you found like other dating apps really cringy. What did you find cringy about them? Like, what did you hate about the other ones? I thought they were pretty superficial and like, it was just like dating. Like it was just like, you go there and there's no like theme or there's no like weird themed branded experience to it. And like, I don't know, I've always felt weird like writing a bio about myself or taking pictures and I just couldn't, I just couldn't take it seriously. Yeah. Like, I feel like when you meet someone out or, you know, you meet someone in person, it's, it's not just necessarily like I'm meeting you because I want to date you, but with like Mm -hmm. dating apps, I feel like a lot of times, especially ones that, I don't know, everyone has like a different connotation with them. Like Tinder is like a hookup dating app. You know, like, I feel like if you're on Tinder, Mm -hmm. you're like, only there because you want to like hook up with someone and like mm-hmm. hinge, I guess is more serious, but even that one, I still feel like has kind of turned into that too. So it is a little yeah. bit more superficial. What would you say the theme of locks club is? The theme? Well, I would say the theme is the deli. The I like the deli. I like the deli speakeasy theme with it and like the background and the story with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot different than, than the other ones out there. Mm-hmm. And we're about to release a new feature where it feels like you're writing secret notes to people on a napkin at the at the speakeasy. What is that going to look like? Like a message or like how are you, how does it make it look it, like you're writing on a napkin? It's well, you'll, it's it's going to be a surprise. All right, sorry. It, 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 it's gonna it's gonna 
everything we do, we want it to like be in line with this whole like immersive experience, um, which happens to be this deli with the secret locks club speakeasy inside it. So it's going to be in theme with that. Have you, I know you've had like in-person events. Have you ever had any like at speakeasies or where do you usually host them? We're working on it. Um, we did actually, no, we did. We just had one in Hollywood and we built a custom bookshelf door. So you literally had to pull a book to get inside. It was so cool. It's actually in my house now. I kept it. Wow. That is really cool. I feel like that's like the perfect setting for one of the in-person events would be at like a speakeasy or like a dark lit bar, like something like that. Oh yeah. This was, and we had a magician there. It's really funny. That is really cool. And so I'm also curious on the actual like technical process of building an app and like building this company. Like, did you have a business plan going into the locks club? Did you, did you know that you would have to like hire out as like when you built it out, I know it was just you and your three friends or two friends, but did you think like, okay, eventually we're going to have to hire like an engineer. Eventually we're going to have to hire like X, Y, Z, like kind of how, what was the trajectory of your business? Short answer is like, you figure it out as you go. Long answer. I made a lot of mistakes with my previous companies that, um, so me and and Alec and uh, Will, my other co-founders, we learned so much from past experiences that like this one has been like weirdly smooth sailing. I never like sat down and wrote a formal business model. I knew the the puzzle pieces that I needed to get it off the ground, which was me as the product designer, a front engineer and a back end engineer. Like that's what we need to build the app. And then once we had the app ready to launch, we needed membership committee. And then that's when we recruited that. And then we needed marketing and then we started recruiting a marketing team. Even at the company in a startup, like the needs are evolving so quickly. So I myself am still learning like, okay, now we're kind of entering phase two where we want to scale this thing. Um, what does that org chart look like? What roles, what roles do we need? I'm very open-minded and very collaborative about like finding people who are smarter than me and, and trying to team up with them and like see what they think and what they've learned from their experience about like, what roles to hire. And did you have like a financial model going into it with like, this is going to be our projected revenue at year one or everything was kind of like, as you went, you figured it out and, you know, there was no like formal models put in place. Well, I knew that we had a subscription business model on day one. So I knew that if X many members like subscribe, uh, pay the membership fee, we're going to make Y amount of revenue. And I knew that as long as that's profitable, as long as like we're paying ourselves the minimum for, for the first couple, maybe like the first year we weren't paying ourselves at all for a while. We weren't even paying ourselves. Um, so we got to a point where it was proven and profitable that I knew like, okay, now we'd be able to like figure out a financial model and, and adjust to all this. Um, so it was never like the risk of, Hey, let's invest like a hundred thousand dollars of our personal money. And then, um, will hopefully like break even one day like with this one it was very like i dealt with that with the stress from my last companies of relying on investor money and the the clock ticking so let's let's figure out a way to 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 be cash flow positive on day one with this no that's awesome i feel like that's the best way to do it is to have that like consistent revenue coming in rather than relying on investors like you said yeah so before we go what would your best advice be to someone who wants to start a company, wants to start a startup, 
what's your best advice for someone to just like go for it and start it? My best advice would be, first of all, build the product or brand or art that you want, you yourself want to exist. Like you would use it yourself. So it should solve like a personal problem for you, or you have the thought, like, wouldn't it be cool if this existed? And just know that for the first couple months of working on it, no one's going to believe in you. And like, people are probably going to tell you it's stupid because they just can't, they just can't imagine something that doesn't exist yet. So you got to ride that, like that low momentum period where it's a lot of like anxiety and like, what, what am I doing? No one, no one thinks this is a good idea. And then once you get the ball rolling, then it suddenly becomes easier. And also build a minimal viable product, like an MVP, test it. Like, like I did with the website, like it only cost me like six hours of my time to build a website to see if people will actually want to sign up for this. So like, think of the easiest way that you can test something, test the waters before actually diving into it full time. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Austin, for coming on my podcast. This was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun talking to you. So thanks. Where can they find you and Locks Club? Find me at my Instagrams at Austin Kevich. It's just my name. And at Locks Club on Instagram. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.